we about 10 years ago were driving on Sunset Boulevard my phone was sitting on the center console and I always I have Bluetooth but you still have to hit the answer button on the phone. Mark Newberger is describing the night he reached for his phone as it fell into the gap between his car seat and console while he was driving. It was a dumb move, almost deadly. Minutes later, he phoned his roommate. So I called him up and I just said, um, I'm sitting on a sidewalk on Sunset Boulevard, all four tires surrounded by 30 people. I almost killed a human being and almost killed myself almost hitting a pole. And he said, I do that all the time. And I said, well, it ends tonight. What began that night has made Mark Newberger and the roommate, Jeffrey Simon, rich, even though they live in a cramped Los Angeles apartment where Newberger sleeps on the couch. I'm Jane Wells, and welcome to this episode of CNBC's Strange Success, the podcast telling the stories behind unusual products which have done really well. We follow these unique enterprises on their road to riches. In this case, it really was an actual road, Sunset Boulevard, which led to the creation of a product called the Drop Stop. You know that black hole inside your car? Should have had a Drop Stop. This is a Drop Stop infomercial made by Mark Newberger and Jeffrey Simon. Now you can stop the drop with Drop, drop stop. stop. The actual product is a foam-filled neoprene-covered wedge, which snugly fits between your car seat and the center console to stop things you drop from falling down into oblivion. People are dying every day because of this gap. I mean, it's, you literally, if a paperclip falls down there, you're going to go, what was that? You might be smart enough not to dig for it, but you cannot turn off that human instinct to go like that real quick. In that, you just went half a football field. We actually call the area the Carmuda Triangle. That's Jeffrey Simon. Together, these two guys have built Drop Stop into a $33 million strange success. Are you millionaires? Are we millionaires? I guess the answer... Cumulatively? I, I don't even know how to answer that question. I honestly... I, we, we, I, we, I, have, we have a certain amount of money that we don't, we don't really... Again, what do we take out for ourselves? Rent, food, the bare needs. I still drive my mom's car. Here's what you don't realize until you spend some time with these two guys. They like money, but they're not about money. For two men in their early 40s, Simon and Newberger are very youthful, optimistic. They're admittedly naive. They share a bromance in the straightest sense of the word, like, I don't know, SpongeBob SquarePants and Patrick, or Rocky and Bullwinkle. And becoming inventors or entrepreneurs was the last thing they planned to do. This is Hollywood. They wanted to make movies. It's just what they teach you in film school. Oh, Uncle Polly, come on. Don't make a jerk out of me. That's actor Paul Sorvino in a short comedy called Scriptfellas. It's a Hollywood parody of Goodfellas, produced by Jeffrey Simon in the late 90s. Around the same time, Mark Newberger was starring in his own short film, a comedy called Living with Meshugana Shiksa. The two men were rivals in the pre-YouTube funny video circles of the era, but they eventually struck up a conversation one night at an industry party. We just started, you know, chit-chatting, and I found out that he was a poker player. And this was in 99. This was five years before the big poker you, you, boom. You didn't tell anyone you played poker. It well, was not, well, it wasn't, but some of the, not to say. It wasn't as hip as it is Not even close. Some of the clubs and were more degenerate It was me but. and the 90-year-olds in the poker clubs, you know what I mean? So it was to find somebody young who actually knew their way around a poker club they could play with. I said, oh, you know, we should go there together sometime. It'd be great. And he said, yeah, yeah, sure. And I, I called him three times. Never called me back. 
And I, but, I, like I said, it wasn't one of those things you really wanted to get a poker buddy at the time. Now it's like, let's all play poker like, together. My, my attitude was, um, screw this guy. I don't need this guy. What, what I got to beg for He's a friend? hard to get. Three months later, Newberger is at the Hollywood Park Casino. And all of a sudden I see one schmuck standing up playing poker with his cards in his hands. Just standing at the poker. All the other people were trying to cover their cards. And I just thought, what a jerk this guy is. Who stands up? playing poker. And then all of a sudden he catches me staring at him and I looked at him and I go, oh wait, I think I know that guy. And so I, I walked up and I just said, oh wait a minute, you're Sandy's uh, producer, right? And yeah, and I said, you know, I called you three times to come play poker. And he pretended he didn't get the call. So, oh, I don't know. I did. <laughs> they ended up friends, best friends. They played a lot of poker together, sometimes to make rent. In the early 2000s, they decided to become health coaches because why not? Though they didn't always charge for their services. Clients became friends, and to these two guys, it didn't seem right to take money from friends. Our parents would be like, you guys have to charge people. How are you gonna make a living? We said, mom, dads, one day we'll just figure something out where we'll one day be able to do it. Then in 2006, Mark broke up with his girlfriend and Jeff said he could crash on the couch for a few days. Three days later is the accident that changed everything. When Newberger is driving on Sunset Boulevard and his cell phone starts vibrating with a call, falling into the Carmuda Triangle, and he instinctively dives to grab it. And I'm going 40 miles an hour, so that tug of the wheel in one second, I looked up, all four tires jumped the sidewalk, a guy leaped three feet out of the way or would have killed him, and I just missed the telephone pole by an inch, and I just started screaming, why doesn't somebody come up with somebody to block this stupid crack? I mean, we just assumed this would already be invented. You go to a car wash and they have thousands of Stick products. Stick Garfield. For everything, the everything. They had nothing to block that gap. We went to every car wash. We scoured the internet. We scoured the world. They thought, maybe we will have to make a gap stopper thing. We were not inventors. We, that was not, we were food and health coaches. So and then it wasn't until one of our dear friends' wives had a, a girlfriend and she said, my father died five years ago reaching for his phone, hit a telephone pole and died instantly. She goes, if this was around, he would be alive today. And that's when I looked at him and just said, maybe this is something we really should think about because as food and health coaches, we love helping people. We love helping people's lives. And we thought this could actually probably save lives. So we bought the book Inventing for Dummies. We had no idea what we were Those doing. yellow books. Yeah. Did you really? I, truly. The two of them felt this wasn't just an entrepreneurial endeavor, this was a calling. Both figured they could get a company up and running in three months for maybe 50 grand. We thought, we thought honestly, from the way it looks in movies and TV, wow, we'll be millionaires in a week. Let's go look at beach houses. We went to look at beach houses. And you I've been, did not. Yes, I swear. And, we've been, and I've been living on this couch for 10 years. <laughs> but we still are looking for that beach house. But Simon and Newberger learned it was going to take a lot longer and cost a lot more. They could not even come up with a workable prototype. Then, in 2007, one year after the accident, they found themselves alone on Halloween. No one had invited them to a party. I just looked at him and I said, you know what? We should be having our own Halloween parties and our own beach house with our own band, friends and our own, own band. band. I go, so why don't we just screw this party? And, and just figure this out. Why don't we go down to that car and stare at that crack until we figure this out? And he goes, okay. They admit they were not completely sober as they sat in the car for several hours, staring at the gap, wondering what would work. 
Then they remembered something a friend suggested for a potential gap blocker. He goes, you know what would be smart? If it moved back and forth with the seat. Just throwing that out there. And then we notice, you know what? Look, the seatbelt catch is attached, is to, attached to the, the belt. It's anchored to the, to the seat. And I go, if we could figure out how to attach something around that, it would anchor it to the seat. It would move with the seat. About a week later, they decided to make a prototype. And we went to Big Lots and we said, let's let's commit to spending $100. We could afford here. to go to Big Lots. But we went, because everything's 99 cents, basically. We said, let's let's commit to buying 100 items. And we're, gonna t we're just going to barely touch the shopping cart and barely move it like a divining rod. Like a Ouija board. Exactly. So we're barely pushing the cart and literally the first thing it touches is a Jane Fonda workout video on VHS. And, and we're like... Okay, obviously we don't need that. We were going to walk away from it. We said, no, we said the first hundred things that touches, maybe there's something on that video we're supposed to watch. They took the 100 items they bought at Big Lots and dumped them all out on the floor of their apartment. Among the items were cheap dress socks and large car wash sponges. And, and then something, and this is the one part that doesn't make sense. Something just made me get a pair of scissors and I cut this big thick figure eight sponge in half so there was two sort of long sides and we stuffed each one down a sock and we sort of Frankenstitch it together and then we cut a hole in the back where the seatbelt would go and we're looking at this thing and we looked at each other and we just we ran down to the car and we put it in and it just disappeared into that shadow moved perfectly with the seatbelt. It, it was like 90% I mean, of the way there. The hole in the sponge filled sock looped over the seatbelt catch attached to the side of the car seat and they stuffed the device snugly into the gap. Because it was hooked around that seatbelt catch, when they moved the seat forward or back, the device moved with it. Now they had to manufacture a real device, market it, and build a business. These guys were wannabe actors and producers. They didn't know what to do, but they had very supportive friends and family. My dad, NASA, literally rocket scientist. Like when you he would literally write hieroglyphic books, and then he'd be still hanging out and playing ping pong. I mean, the man was on another level. Jeffrey Simon's father was brilliant, but just as his son was starting Drop Stop, he was diagnosed with glioblastoma, the same cancer which killed John McCain. And they gave him one week to live. Simon's father lived another year and a half. I look back even now, it's been 10 years from that, and I'm still, there was a part of my mentality even to this day was like getting through the day. You just want to get one more day. You want to fight, and sometimes with Drop Stop, things get really hairy and get really crazy. You got to get through the day. And then seven months later, on Mother's Day, my mom died of a heart attack. Um, broken heart, however you look at it. But before that happened, Simon's mother named their would-be product. We had a list of 800 names. I thought mine was going to be the winner. I called it the Gap Goalie. I wanted it to be called the Fagap About It. I just wanted, I wanted this big <laughs> Italian guy to be the spokesperson and say, Hey, it's so easy. Just stuff it in and you forgot about it. And everyone's like, yeah, no. <laughs> so one day we went to my parents' house. This was after my dad had passed. And it was just Mark and I. And we had our list of 800 names. And my parents were from New York. Very straight up. And my mom literally heard what we were doing. Strolls by the, the, the kitchen and says, Guys, it stops blank from falling down. I just call it Drop Stop. And since Drop Stop slides, it's always at your side. The two best friends found someone to make a finished prototype covered in neoprene, and then they started asking people they knew for startup money without telling them exactly what the product was because they didn't have a patent yet, and they were kind of paranoid about that. The first thing out of our mouth was, hi, we're looking for 65 grand. That's why we're calling you. If you want us to tell us to F off, please feel free we'll to do that. catch up after. Hey, please feel free to do that, and let's just have fun and catch up because yeah, we just wanted to be honest, and people 
We're and so- we can't tell you what the idea is. A friend and client bought in, and others followed. If you've ever seen It's a Wonderful Life, when George Bailey is about to go to jail and he needs money, and every single person he ever helped in his life all come forward, and they barely have anything, but they all give to him and and just want to support him and thank him so much. I mean, literally every day feels like it's a wonderful life for us, like that ending scene. I mean, I get a little teary-eyed just thinking about it just because I love that movie so much. Eight people made sizable investments, and in exchange, Newberger and Simon promised an astonishing return. And we just said, look, you're our friends, you're our family, you've been there for us for everything, and if you want to be a part of this with us, we're going to give you a million dollars apiece to be a part of this with us. Earned at an owner's rate, meaning you earn it at the same rate we do until you get your million. And that was funny, I remember when I told my dad that, he said, you did what now, son? (laughs) He goes, do you have any idea what it means to earn a million dollars, much less save a million dollars? In 2009, three years after Mark Newberger crashed his car on Sunset Boulevard, DropStop hit the market. The two founders started selling the product at swap meets. Then they built a website and made the infomercial. They started to get attention. All the big infomercial companies descended on us right away. We were just the product that they were looking for. And But they just started saying, oh guys, we're not using neoprene, way too expensive. Let's make it out of a cheap black material. It'll look the same in the make box. It fall apart. It'll bust the seam in, in a year or two and they'll have to keep buying more. That's how you keep the money coming in. Oh guys, is this $20 sale? We're gonna make it a $120 sale. I mean, we just- We, we just said, we'll sell it for 20 bucks, a set of two for their car. We're gonna make it the best it could be. And it's a billion cars worldwide. We don't really need to worry about any of those other tactics. We're just going to do it right. And yeah, they said, they literally laughed on our face. They, they, they looked at us yeah, like we were the we were only crazy. people on the earth who had ever said no. They were crazy. But the business somehow managed to keep moving along. Then around 2012, they got connected with QVC, which wanted to promote the drop stop for the holidays. But they needed $350,000 to ramp up enough to fulfill that order. I'd already uh, pawned my car twice, and we were at the point now where we needed uh, a little bit more than that. They entered the World Series of Poker in Las Vegas to try to earn the money. Didn't happen. A friend loaned them some money, but suddenly he needed it back right away. And it got to a point where I said, if no one's going to loan us money, we really don't have business going to anybody and asking for that if we're not willing to put it up ourselves. And the only place either one of them had that kind of money was in the inheritance Jeffrey Simon had received from his parents money he wasn't supposed to touch. He touched it, almost all of it. And he was terrified because he was taking out a lot of cash to continue funding a product idea someone could steal. In fact, that was already happening. We still don't have a patent. Now I'm gonna have to take out another $350,000, which is a huge penalty. And we can't even protect our product. We were getting knocked off, counterfeit. Everything was happening left and right. They went to the bank. Newberger waited in the car while Simon went inside to withdraw the funds. And I'm in the bank and I'm just, I'm not upset about it, but I'm just, it's one of those defining moments. And I'm sitting there and filling out the paperwork and he comes into the bank. Mark Newberger had news. As soon as I parked the car, I get an email from our patent attorney. Your patent just came through. Here's audio from the cell phone video Newberger took as he walked into the bank to tell a clearly depressed Jeffrey Simon the news that they finally had patent protection. Our patent is just gotten approved. Oh, uh, yeah. Are you being serious? Yes. You just got an email? Yes. Oh, my f- God. 
things started moving quickly, though with the occasional disaster. For example, QVC received the wrong product at first. And then suddenly Volvo stopped letting them use one of its cars to demonstrate the drop stop on television. And we had made friends at that point with the GM at the dealership, and he just said, you guys want to know what happened? We said, yeah. And he goes, what is Volvo's number one thing they stand behind? Safety. Safety. And what were you doing for 10 minutes? Highlighting a huge gap in their safety. By the time Shark Tank rolled around, they'd already sold over $2 million worth of drop stops. But they agreed to let Shark Lori Grenier take a 20% stake in the company. Then they saw a huge increase as she got products into stores. And now many police departments want to put drop stops in patrol cars. Why is this not standard equipment? I, you know, we, we still to this day don't really have the answer. I think it's one thing about the actual structure of the car where they don't want the seat rubbing up against the console. I think that has something to do with it. Um, and I guess if General Motors is listening or Ford, give us a call because we'll make the standard of the car. We need this to be in every single vehicle in the entire world. Total sales to date top $33 million, which has netted millions for the two co-founders who are still paying off their eight original investors at the promised return of $1 million each. Now, the us, or at least the me, 10 years ago, had I looked into a crystal ball and seen what this was going to entail, how much time, how much money, how much getting kicked in the gut, I would have run away screaming like a little girl. Again, we were naive, and our naivete, I think, served us well. Which is why you are probably not completely surprised that two men still run the company pretty much on their own, in their little apartment where Mark still sleeps on the couch, though he does sleep in plenty of hotel beds on the road pitching product. When I meet girls and I, we're very honest about our life, they, they, hear, they hear and see what's going on and they think, oh, they must have some Malibu mansion somewhere. He's joking. People are like, we, we want to go on your yacht. <laughs> I go, our yacht is this couch. But it's one of those things where we, um, it means so much more to us to write those checks to our friends every year. One day, this is all going to be some amazing story on CNBC, <laughs> and and we're going to have maybe that beach house that we're not maybe we will have. And we'll that just beach we'll house. just use one of the couch patches right. to put in a little frame. Thanks for listening to CNBC Strange Success. The podcast is written and produced by me, Jane Wells, along with producers Candace Goldman, Ellen Egith, and Janice Pettit. Editing and mixing by Candace Goldman. We'll be back next week with another weird winner, someone aspiring to fill a gap in the market as effectively as two best friends and their drop stop. We know somebody who got divorced because the wife found a used condom wrapper down there and they don't use condoms and he didn't know it had fallen down yeah. there. Uh, wow.